So we're coming to the uh, closure and the blessings. So always close with a blessing, an, an encouragement, an empowerment. Because mm. we need all the support we can get. This uh, shift is a very, it's a profound shift. It's a shift of view. So it's not just, uh, you know, meditation, but it's uh, if you really want to fulfill the possibilities of the path and possibilities of your, of your life, then a shift of view uh, is, uh, is recommended and encouraged and uh, hopefully finding ways to facilitate that and make that manageable, attractive, encouraging, furthering. Mm. Shift of view to simply speaking to the deathless and to letting go. So very much what we take life to be, an ordinary way of looking at things is the life that we see through the sense faculties, the sense doors. This is what we have to go on, so our life orients around that. Now without denying that or repudiating it, saying can these sense doors be turned so we look into you know, who's looking through those sense doors, where does that, where's the center of all that, you might say. This is a, sometimes the, you know, metaphors of the path are about turning back to the watcher, the viewer, that which is behind the sense doors, even behind the door of the mind, the thinking mind with its imperatives and uh, I've called its volitional tendencies, or sankharas, which I've referred to as the muscles of the mind, the tendons of the mind, the pushing out of the mind, the holding on of the mind, the wobbling and wavering of the mind. Mm. So can we come be behind that, is the, you could say, is one metaphor uh, for practice. And it's something, once you get that metaphor, you know what I mean. You know, it's a withdrawing back. Mm. And then from that place, we then can begin to shape our, our world, our life from a, perhaps a more holistic, more inclusive perspective. It includes our stillness, it includes our death, it includes our silence. It includes others, it includes pain, it includes joy, it includes, it includes unknowing, it, can, it includes happiness and sorrow, it includes it. It does not waver in that because we find a presence and a capacity that's able to be present with that and not flicker and not waver and not uh, you know, drop it. And this is the potential we have called a deathless element, a property, a potential we have. You can't find it through the sense doors can't find it through any kind of sensory apparatus or mental apparatus but you can intuit it in when all that begins to balance and relax you intuit you begin to sense this quality of stillness and peace nibbana and may you continue with that now this particular retreat it's called a, it's called a monastic retreat and I uh, might have 
issues with that because we're not really monastics, we're actually cenobitic, parapatetic mendicants. But that doesn't <laughs> fit so well on a, on a brochure, I can understand that. So cenobitic, peripatetic mendicant retreat. <laughs> so cenobitic means we act as a, court, as, a, as a commune, as a collective. Peripatetic means we come and go. We, we're not just nailed down into a particular lodging. And we mendicant, we love an alms food. So it's this sense we're actually in a continued dynamic of giving, receiving, you know, of uh, living with others, of shifting from place to place. How come we're in the middle of so much of a dynamic and movement that I, I can only exist in relationship with others? I have no fixed place. I have no geographical location. You know, I, I do have lots of them, but I don't have anything I hold. And I live on, um, you know, on alms food and live with, live with the effects and the moods and the joy and the sorrows of others. So I'm in this weave, yeah. And, you know, our human nature is, well, I, I want to find my place, my bit, my, this that kind of fixity of place, where I am, what I am, you know, and then the tension and the holding and the anxiety around that. Whereas we're in this sense of being in this mixture of, of dynamics, of relationship, you know, and somehow wanting to include and encompass and allow and tolerate and be inspired and encourage all that. In that work we're finding a still center. This is kind of counterintuitive. Well, that, that's the social bit actually of, of the samana. And really, in this situation here, this is kind of what you've been training in. Yeah? You know, co- corporate quality, cooperative quality uh, in, a, in this um, living on what's offered. So, yeah, and then shifting, shifting from your homes to these temporary lodgings. Try and respect it like that. Lodging is just a roof over the head for the night. That's the standard. And getting a feeling for that. This is, you know, this is renunciation. So, you know, it's, this retreat is really a renunciant retreat. Um, we're renunciants. And this, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a strong word. Consider it as relaxing into simplicity. Resting back into simplicity. It's not a hair shirt, it's not an intolerance, it's not an aversion to the world. It's a resting back into simplicity. Yeah. And the theme is, if it isn't offered, it isn't needed. Mm. And how does that become true? How does that become true? Because mm. there's only one place that that's true. It's in the heart. It's in the center of the heart. Mm. Now, just the example in our mendicant peripatetic <laughs> lives. <laughs> then we, on occasion, we go, we go out for alms. We go out alms, and sometimes we, we, the monks and nuns, at least in Britain, go on these long distance 
what I call Tudong walks for several, several weeks or even months at a time when you just are living on what turns up. You may have a, a sheet, a plastic sheet or a nylon sheet or a tent or something and then you just live on what food is offered in villages and towns of people who don't know you. So, you know, so that, you know, just imagine that walking out the door with a, you don't want to carry too much because it's going to be difficult. So you're always carrying less than you need. And going to villages where you've, there's very strong reasons to believe you won't get what you need. Because nobody knows you, nobody knows what you're doing. You're not supposed to say anything, just stand around and walk around with a bowl. So <laughs> nobody knows what you need. And they have to figure it out. And then not having what you need, not a hot shower. No shower. Yeah. <laughs> no bed. <laughs> no shower, no bed. <laughs> just the ground and a sheet, yeah. And so, on many levels, this isn't what I need. <laughs> this is not enough. <laughs> but because of that, that you know, rather than trying to keep, you know, placating that what I need, what I need is what I, you go right against it. So look, I'm going to go go and you know actually go into areas where I'm not getting my needs met, and then find in that place as you hold still and steady. The heart feels clear because you've decided that. You've decided that what isn't offered isn't needed. And once you've decided that, your heart starts to ring true and there's a quality of brightness, steadiness, purity in there. Yeah. And so you, you're shifting to that. Yeah. It's just the renouncing, resting back into the simplicity of I have the present moment. I have the present moment. There's the feeling, the sensations, the thoughts, and there's the present moment. And the, the discipline to hold oneself back from the, from the reaching out and the, all that and just into the I have the present moment. Now really, this is the only thing you have that doesn't change. The only thing you have that's a given. Yeah. You, you know, you can't get away from the present. <laughs> you can't even, you can't lose it really. <laughs> you can obscure it with fears and anxieties and so forth, but you can never really lose it. So this is the bit you can't lose. You've already got it. Yeah. So can we rest back into that? Can we come back into that? What is the courage and the qualities and the fluency of our reflexes that allow us to soften and come back into that? So we don't just spasm and tighten up into despair or panic when we aren't getting what we need, what we think we need. You find actually, you know. So I've practiced this, you know, these two dongs myself. And uh, th through different countries, and certainly on days you could add it up and say, "I didn't get <laughs> what I needed." <laughs> you know, there wasn't enough food, or there wasn't that, and 
but then you, I'm all right, I'm okay, I'm fine with that. You know, you find that. Mm. What I have, what is here, what can't be lost. So, you know, really trying to train oneself to come back to that reflex, that resonance with one's heart, one's presence, what we can never lose, what you don't have to hold on to, what's already here. So to me, the renunciant training, this resting in simplicity is the meditation, is part of the meditation. You can't really separate it from it. The meditation just facilitates those reflexes. So instead of the, we begin to see more closely in a more complete and thoroughly graduated way, how to do that through the body, how to do that through the, the sense organs, turning back, resting them, how to do that in the visceral sense, the somatic sense, how to do that in the emotional sense, sort of that jump of reflex, that pausing, resting, widening, really what's necessary here, what's helpful, what's skillful, you know, just building in that, you know, that training in in, um, non-grasping. And then even in the thought sense, you know, when my thinking mind babbles and then, uh uh-huh, listening and then really, what do you really mean in that, you know? So you're letting go of the stories of the future and the past and self and others, coming back to, you know, the ability to relate to thought. It's changing the reflex, holding one's, holding it, gathering it in. And this is all part of renunciation, part of resting back in simplicity, rather than trying to find the answers, the conclusions, the best, the highest, the next one, and so on. Just resting back into the simplicity getting the reflexes to turn around from proliferation into non-proliferation. And so these are all key features and indications in the Buddhist path. Proliferation, the spinning out, non-proliferation, the turning back, resting back in simplicity, renunciation. In the physical sense or the external sense, it's called renunciation, nikamma. In the psychological sense, spiritual sense, it's called relinquishment, vosaga. So, but they're, they're partners, you know, external, internal. And uh, externally, there's only, you know, we do have, you know, the body's not going to live that much longer if you don't give it some food. You know, so there are certain, you could say, there's a certain level at which you take it, which it, you know, that's the end game on the level of the body. But relinquishment, in terms of psychological, heart, spiritual sense, you can is you can take that right through, you know, to completion. And actually, the fuller one's capacity, the capacity is of the mind to relinquish, then the brighter, clearer presence is. So this is the opening to the deathless. So it's called deathless. It's a very evocative term. It's a big term, isn't it? You mean we're not going to die? Does anybody didn't die? What does that mean? We have some immortal soul? 
we live forever, we go to some other realm where we live forever, we're eternal. We just said, that's proliferation. That <laughs> 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 isn't it, you just don't do that. Just tune into that and, you know, it's that which is not constricted by fear, agitation, the death of the faculties. It's free from that. Where it goes, if it goes, find out, you know. But in this very life, this is for one's welfare and happiness. The rest of it, you don't know. <laughs> but uh, realizing it in this life, touching into it in this life, our potential. So renunciation, relinquishment. Trying to get resting into simplicity. And how that is a precursor to the path, you know, to, to, to meditation. You've got to let go of some things, otherwise you're never going to find the time to meditate, that's for sure. If you don't flex that muscle, you're never going to find the time to meditate. If you don't put aside the urgent business, the phone call, the email, the da-da-da, watering the dog, mowing the cat, you don't put that down. Because <laughs> you get, get so scrambled sometimes you don't know what you're doing. You just plum plug, unplug. <laughs> then you're never gonna you don't do some basic level of renunciation, you're never gonna find the time to meditate. And then your attitudes have got to be renunciant, otherwise you're not gonna find the inner space. There's gotta be some sense of Well, that's good enough for now. <laughs> you know? Enough, enough, enough. <laughs> yeah. No, this is just setting up the, the, the foundational premise of meditation. And then the inner quality of it is so deep and profound because if you really, as you contemplate, as you practice, as you meditate, as you look inwardly, you'll find there's this you know, pretty consistent sign or sound that comes up. It's called not enough. There's not enough time to meditate. My samadhi is not enough. My wisdom is not enough. My energy is not enough. My understanding is not enough. My body is not enough. My mind is not good enough. (laughs) There's not enough, not enough. (laughs) Listen, listen to me, this is not enough. This is the voice of of, uh, of avijja, ignorance, <laughs> and it's called tanha, craving. It's the voice that ignorance makes, unknowing makes, because there's this fundamental vacuity that is experienced, and there's this desperate reaching out for something to fill it. Knowledge, formed realms, sense objects, formless realms, Meditation experiences, understanding, wisdom, companionship, you know, something to fill up that. And the renunciant practice and renunciant gesture is you turn away from trying to fill it up and you go into it. That's, 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 the, that's the gesture. It takes a lot of, you know, training and subtlety because this is not kind of like a brutal 
uh, as I say, it's not a hair shirt thing, it's not a tormenting thing, it's a, it's a soft turning and acceptance that there's never enough. There never will be enough, there never can be enough. So just rest in that. Find a rest place, because that's, that's the sign. Can you rest in, into that rather than keep pulling away from it? Mm-hmm. And then it will open. It will open. This is so important. Uh, we find there is a deep happiness and contentment and warmth right there waiting to meet us. This is a very powerful and poignant movement to, to accept our inadequacy, our seeming inadequacy, inadequacy of this mortal conditioned psychophysical phenomenon called me. And accept it rather than be disappointed by it. This is the gate. Turn the handle. Don't just keep pounding on the door. Mm. There is a real energetic and emotional shift. Viveka, detachment, dispassion, stopping. Is a, the Buddha describes this, this, this shifting from that outgoing energy with all its passion and belief and complexities, this softness, this softening, returning, returning. Consider it like that. Yeah. And if any of these sounds or words make, make sense, resonate with something, you know, then really follow that and see how you can accomplish that at any time, to any degree, you know, and then we'll find the, the fruition in that, you know, some happy, some contentment, some dignity in that. Your self-worth is there. So the renunciation or this resting in simplicity works in two ways we could say in some ways it's right there as the foundation the foundation of, of the buddhist practice is called dana sila nekama dana generosity the giving heart opening the heart sila to others as to myself the sense of cooperation mutuality again opening the heart to to this to relational realm you know, through dana, through generosity, and through sila, and nikama means just just uh, resting into that. And we all, when the Buddha taught these, he said, "This is where you begin, dana, sila, nikama, and then from there you start to culti- begin to get the understanding of the four noble truths." So this, this is called the graduated path. One of his one of his teaching models. Hmm? And it, you know, one can kind of, oh yeah, dynasty, and go on. But really, the Buddha teaches this. You know, this is this is high stuff. But it, it's it's 
the, for me, the, one of the geniuses of the Buddhist makes it pretty accessible, and yet there's deceptive deepening in that. Because we all would agree, generosity is, yeah, it's great, I feel good with that. Morality, yeah, that's good. How come we don't, how come we blow it? <laughs> Human beings blow it because of the attachment to the senses, sense data, makes us a little bit grasping, a little bit competitive, a little bit not sharing. Mm. Not, not sharing and cheating or storing up and, and things where this, this quality and what, what's, under, what's meant by that is not being respected. And we can see this very much in, in the world in general. Yeah? And in general you see this vast um, inadequate, uh, inequalities of material resources. And even in wealthy countries, you know, where's that going? Gobbling more and more and more. And what's happening? You know, we're burning the earth up. And still, not enough, not enough, not enough. We're burning the planet to a cinder, and still not enough, not enough, not enough. Still, you know, just play another song. <laughs> yeah. So it's very important how you know, we contemplate things like the climate change and then realizing, well, actually, you know, it's like there's going to be less land, less food because of what the way we're destroying the planet. And whatever we can do with that, whatever we can do, how we can respond to that, because this has come a cause and effect. So it's simple, you know, begin to recognize that, well, how does that turn around? Well, for example, you know, uh, if we shared a bit more, everybody, not talking about you sharing with me, but sharing resources as a general social trend so we don't you know you don't have to have everybody have a lawnmower why can you have one lawnmower in the street and people borrow it we're not mowing lawns 24 hours a day you only mow it once a week we get, you know this kind of thing we just cooperate like uh, so monasteries one of the things they do have you might have 20 30 people they've got maybe one one vehicle not 20 vehicles or 25 vehicles, you can cooperate. That's the cenobitic bit, the uh, cooperation, community, sharing washing machine, sharing this, that, and the other. So, you know, not saying we're going to be monks and nuns, but you see that one can indeed live very happily on sharing things. And this is a thing to, to bear in mind and consider how one can pool resources. Simple practical step. It's a bit of, I regard this as a bit of sila, a bit of morality, when you really deepen your empathic and uh, um, responsible senses to that. Mm -hmm. What makes it possible to that? Because we realize nobody's going to cheat, nobody's going to steal things, nobody's going to rip me off if I share. So sila is so important with dana. And then simplicity, if you kind of try to simplify needs, then again there's more to go around. So it's easier, isn't it? So this, this nexus of dana, sila, nikama 
is itself a very beautiful practice paradigm just for, for social life, for living. So in the retreat we often give the five precepts, the precepts, we're looking at external form. This is a form to contemplate with your friends, relatives, neighbours and so forth, your communities as I was mentioning yesterday, how does community sense, how does it operate for, for people in what we call the lay world? Can, can this happen for you? What degree can it happen for you? Can you make efforts to make that happen? This would be your, will be your welfare and the welfare of others. So this is where the renunciation comes back into very much, you know, the social external realities of, for our welfare and, and requirement, real requirement at this time in human history because there's never going to be enough. You know, from the mind's point of view, there'll never be enough. So you've got to say, okay, I won't have enough. <laughs> if there's never be enough, why don't I just accept not having enough and instead of feeling impoverished by that, feeling, you know, when you go into your heart, feeling, but I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. <laughs> that's, that's the bit I'm not going to lose. Nobody can take that away from me. Then, uh, you know, and then you try to operate from, from there as, as best you can. From the other point of view, renunciation moves into what can I let go of in terms of uh, self-image, self-representation, who I th- the, the who I think I am, who I think I'm not, what, you know, that, all that stuff. And how so much of our struggle is when these uh, our unresolved emotions and reactions and reflexes are kind of spasming and, you know, thrashing around. Uh, and we take them to be myself. <laughs> or even that myself is going to handle them. That these are the myself, or there's myself somewhere who's going to manage all this stuff going on. So either I am this, or I'm in this, or I'm, or I'm other than this. It's not relevant. Just dump it, you know, forget about it. But then we're really finding a way to to see that actually is an enormous obstacle. The identification is the problem. So what does it mean to actually reach into your your violence or your aversive streaks or your pettiness or your jealousy or your greed? You know, how are these manifest? The desperation, the panics, you know, feeling inadequate, really coming, reaching into these, feeling the presence of the embodiment, stillness, presence and being someone like who becomes a good friend, holding the space, letting these energies be felt, heard, listened to and then introducing them to presence, to breathing, to here and now, to empathy, just introducing them. Hey, meet this, meet this one, meet this quality. Not 
slap it around, shape up, get out of here, but just meet this, meet this, meet this, and then see, you know, there's a kind of wriggling and the thing's trying to find a balance, and you're going to go through that process until stuff starts to settle. That's all I've done, really, you know, as best I can. I've never solved a problem, I've never got rid of anything, really. Just stuff has stuff has stopped being activated. Having tried to be good enough and finally given up on being good enough, I realise this is good enough. (laughs) 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 And they don't identify with it, whatever it is. (laughs) So this is relinquishment, and the bit bit relinquished is self-view. So you kind of really encouraging you to, f- to frame things in this, this way and if you get the, the basic frame of how you live externally, how you live internally, how you relate to the world and other people around you and the needs of the body, how you relate to that, how you parent that, how you moderate and guide that and how you relate to these internal pleas and, and requests and you know stupid and sort of petulance and immaturity in our systems just being the wise parent to that relating to it and then resting into simplicity don't make more complexities out of it resting into simplicity and there can be you know this is a as I was saying this is a long path it's only long if you look at the end of it you look down it's neither long nor short <laughs> if you look towards the end of it you get oh goodness but don't, don't even bother you know you'll find out how long it is <laughs> you know? so this is uh, the, the frame to, to, to bear in mind so as we move into our normal lives, then just trying to take some of these little pieces there, using the opportunity to pause, reflect, yeah, and then integrating is is the theme for the last piece, isn't it? In, integrate. Mm. To me, integrate means uh, I also acknowledge I exist one level within a continuum of other beings human, animal, biosphere, the planet itself, without this I'm finished on a physical level. So can my caring and sensitivity and extend over that? And we look in the material world, everything, every material thing comes from the earth. There's nothing, this body cannot create anything. I cannot create anything material. Everything, when you trace it back, it's going to come from this planet, isn't it? And we can pay tribute to the people who fashioned it and formed it and smelted it and engineered it, but it's come from this. Can I, do I pay anything back to this? Do I, do I respect and pay things back to this? I bear this in mind. If I have to use something, do I use just, just what I need? Maybe even question how much I need, and do I pay something back? In terms of caring for the earth, lessening my needs. This is 
And then whatever I throw away, recognizing there's no such place as away, really. There's just the earth again. You still got the kind of trash and plastics and stuff. Where's that going? Where else can it go? And then you're going to be feeding on that in five years' time when it comes back up. <laughs> Show you the food chain. So you think, well, can I recycle? Can I use it again? So we contemplate things like you extend your your field of practice and empathy and awareness to this wider domain. And this makes us, gives us a frame of reference to work with him, not just, you know, living in these abstract realms with names on them. I don't live in a, under a name called Britain. The earth doesn't never heard of Britain. <laughs> Nobody told the earth this is Britain, it just thought it was part of the earth. You know, <laughs> who grabbed it? Who said, this is now ours? <laughs> who did that? Who said, this is mine? Yeah. This is for the English people. This is the Americans. This is the Norwegians. Who said that? Planet, Planet didn't say that. <laughs> so you have that kind of, and we're all connected. But the only thing we can produce, and the immense thing we can produce, the, the really pivotal thing we can produce is our thoughts, our attitudes, our compassion. The earth can't produce these. This is our bit. Can they meet? Can they meet? Can they meet through any small act, through any act towards any other being at all? Can, can they meet? So this is, to me, is a very nice way to to frame up as one enters into the more social life. As you probably recognize, you know, and when we consider it, most of our problems, most of our root problem is not so much, you know, de deliberate acts of greed or aversion or stupidity or recklessness. It's just the casualness, things we don't really give attention to. You ever say, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, we just sort of can live in this cocoon of things <laughs> looks okay to me <laughs> everything's fine it's casualness so you want to be on guard against the casual casual which is casual is kind of nice because it's soft it's relaxed there's no edges it's easy you kind of float cushion and so another day da -da, light up and live have one of these da -da -da, yeah, here we go da -da -da, another day da -da -da, da -da -da, bang crash whoops <laughs> You know, ca casual. And casual is, is taken as being a, a really optimal level of existence when we can feel casual because we feel relaxed and happy. 
And it's not to be, then you look at the opposite seems what is so rigid, uptight, you know, dogmatic, frenzied. So, you know, what, what is it to be not, how to be attentive, not fixated, not rigid, but attentive. And you follow some of these things through in terms of the, you know, the grosser mental habits we probably, you know, got our, our eyes on are aware of the flickering, the, the, the energies of those. But it's the, it's the casual that slips, that slips through the, oh, wow, it doesn't really matter. No, I can't be not right now and feel right. You know, the casual things. So you really get this un- looking into mental intention in everything. Well, you try to fulfill that in things we do. Do I need this? Is it given? You know, is it useful? Is it shared? Can I share this? It's just contemplating that, You're bringing up this quality. It really taking responsibility for your mental intentions and noticing the ones that just want to slip through. And with, so the other day, I was talking to some. Someone was talking about the you know the precept about drinking alcohol. So some people said, "Well, it's kind of okay." You know, if you if you you just have a little bit now and then, it's okay. It's no big deal. It's just relaxing, friendly, not going to get smashed. Uh, yeah. I think it was, you know, I think it was Dean, Dean Martin, who's a famous uh, indulger in the sense. He says, you know, I think what he was saying was, if you can lie on the floor without holding on, you're not really drunk. <laughs> Just realizing how far people can go with it, this stuff, you know, and so then how much resources are used in, in producing this, bottling it, selling it, how much energy goes into that. If you only had like five acres of land to live on, would you be growing grapes? Would you be making wine? Or you'd be growing vegetables. <laughs> you wouldn't be wasting time with that. And then just sensing, you know, what the casualness is this for anyone's welfare what does it entail what do we support with that what chain of supply and demand are we contributing to as Dharma practitioners can we say no I don't want to be part of that I want to step out of that that whole thing this isn't a kind of fire and damnation thing this is just the realignment I can do indicate this is something that I'm placed outside of it's not my area and we model something for people who may have less self-discipline and restraint in ourselves you model something mm-hmm. this is kind of so our, that level of restraint is then an offering you know, not an indictment so we're just seeing how much we do learn as human beings. We learn from what other people are doing. We notice and we tune into that. So if each of us is a little more collected, gathered in, responsible in ourselves, holding our body, mind, 
hungers and appetites steadily, then we, we're already presenting it. Yeah. As the as is saying at St. Francis, I came across the other a few weeks ago, it's one of St. Francis of Assisi, you know, the great Franciscan friar, saying, preach the gospel, Cont- always teach, the, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> you should always be teaching the Dhamma, always teach the Dhamma, night and day teach the Dhamma, use words now and then if you really need to. But mostly, this is what you present, and this is what you hear, this is what you see, and you, you walk it, walk it. That's, that's our offering to the world. <clears throat> so, this, um, so, we'll conclude the formal procedure with a blessing, and my, our best wishes and encouragement to each and every one of you, and uh, certainly appreciation for your own commitments and things you've been saying in the interviews, things that have sparked off and encouraged and questioned and caused us to reflect and be able to share this occasion with you all. So who knows, but this is, this is good. This is good. And uh, so we'll suggest uh, people will give the blessing and then people who'd like to take the five precepts, five moral precepts, then there'll be an occasion to do that. So let's first of all we'll chant a, what are called parita, some parita chanting, which is a blessing of protection for everyone. And, uh, do you know the Meditation. Yeah. <laughs>
<clears throat> no, just just the summoners first of all when we do the Parita chanting, just the summoners, and then we do the final chant and we include everybody. Okay. <clears throat> So we do this in two rounds. The first is the uh, Cenobitic Mendicant Peripatetics. <laughs> we'll offer the uh, thing from their tradition and then we'll include everyone in a final uh, sharing around uh, the Brahma Vihara. <clears throat> Bhagavan, 
people know how to request the five precepts if someone would like to um, request that if you just want to put the string down for a moment just, and then, um, and I can offer the five precepts to those who'd like to take them this is the undertaking to intend and uh, work on and incline towards and hold dearly uh, qualities of non-violence, deepening one's sense of empathy to, to others, other creatures. <clears throat> uh, restraint, the ability to experience more contentment, restraint, in both in terms of our material needs, our sexual energies are held responsibly, and uh, speech habit, to refrain or to intend to work on refraining from gossip, lying, swearing, and just pointless babble, which more or less <laughs> trims it by about 90%. <laughs> and then you're really fashioning speech as, as something that goes to the heart. So we refrain from shabby speech, flabby speech, jabbing speech, grabbing speech, jabbing, grabbing, flabbing and you know all that then what comes through is, is speech that is harmonious, bringing concord speech worth listening to and this is an enormous treasure for our welfare and the Dhamma is spoken beautifully and then refraining from undertaking to, looking into judging and measuring and refraining from substances that can cause intoxication in oneself and in others 
one's own welfare and as a standard representation of how the Dhamma is to be lived. So these are undertakings and uh, with these taking refuges and precepts we take refuge and then we recognize our fallibility whenever we transgress, we acknowledge that, we look into that, how did that happen? Turn left, navigation error, um, slow down, sharpen up, and then you begin again. So it's uh, a worthy undertaking. Any takers? Yep. <laughs> it's page 72. Saranam Gachami Namang Saranam Gachami Sangang Saranam Gachami Dutiyam Pi Buddham Saranam Gachami Dutiyam Pi Dhammang Saranam Gachami Dutiyam pi sangang saranang gachami Dutiyam pi buddham saranang gachami Dutiyam pi dhammang saranang gachami Dutiyam pi sangang saranang gachami and to take the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature Adinadana Veramanesigapadang Samadhyami Adinadana 
and to take the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Gami sumicha cha ra ve ramane sika padang samadhyami. Undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. Motsavada ve ramane sika padang samadhyami. And to take the precept to refrain from false and harmful speech. Suramiraya Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami. And to take the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Himani Panchasika Padani Silena Sugating Yanti Silena Bogasampada Silena Neputing Yanti Tasama Silang Visodaye so what we'd like to do now is to um, connect everyone. So Aya Nimala and uh, Yaniko will help to use the string and other pieces of string to form connections. Yeah, so you might need to... Whoops, you shouldn't step over it, never mind. If you zigzag through everyone, if you run it through, so rather than around, just see if we can zigzag it.
So as you're using this uh, thread, remember the word sutta is a thread. So this is the thread of the teaching, runs through us. Thread of the practice, thread of the Dhamma runs through us in all our, despite our separate forms. And what is it, you know, how do you live that? You live that through precepts, through friendliness, through care and concern for others. And you live it through kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, gladness at the welfare and the beauty and the strength of others, equanimity, the trust, the evenness of mind that trusts the Dhamma rather than grabs onto the emotions and feelings. So this is our connection. So just reflect a little on these, on the people you've been sharing time with. Either, you know, that face on the other side of the breakfast table, the person you mop with, the person you sit next to, with all the various projections and imaginations that may have occurred and within that. <laughs> In a sense of what's often called taught, which means forgiveness, asking for forgiveness in one's heart for any offences deliberate or even un- undeliberate we may have caused to each other and offering it to each other also so that we may leave clear, free from any regret or remorse and spreading the quality of goodwill towards each and every one of us. And then towards the people in your life, living near, far, or even passed away. So in that quality of heart, we can remain in touch. So just uh, begin a mantra that you can all pick up quite easily, um, I hope. <coughs> and these are four very simple words that you're going to come up against time and time again in, in uh, teachings and practice, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka. <coughs> so if you, once you get the sound of it and the resonance, if you like to join in so that everyone can be united in these Brahma-vihara, and then as it gets going, I'm going to walk around and give you all a, a blessing. 
with this uh, lustral water. Mm. Meta karuna mudita hupeka 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 meta karuna Mudita hupeka
Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka Mudita Karuna Mudita Hupeka So now to so you can have this to take with you going to uh, bring these scissors around and it means you cut off a length good enough and then tie it on the wrist of someone sitting next to you and let so you each tie on each other's wrists so this is a real sense of to others as to myself so let's begin cutting it So you pass the scissors around and uh, huh? 
you're playing with that letter and letter and I and you want to cut them? Everybody. Okay. It's only got so many pairs of scissors, but you know. <laughs> so cutting them, pass the scissors round and when you've cut and tied, pass your scissors on, somebody behind you. Tie it on your friend's wrist. Any particular one? <laughs> Which is your most calmer active wrist? Right wrist, and then just tie it around the wrist. Which hand gets you into more trouble? <laughs> yeah. How to tie a string around and loop it around three times and tie a, tie a knot in it. Okay. Yes, just just Yeah. Yeah. Ajahn Punadamo told us a story about the tying of the string. If you if you uh, think that the string has some kind of magical powers then you're attached to form, and you think if you th- if you think it's nothing, then you're attached to the emptiness. Either way, twenty lashes. <laughs> this is from an old Zen monk, wasn't it? Did I say it correctly? No. I must have missed something.
So as always, we uh, <coughs> conclude our session with reflecting with gratitude to our parents, give us this body, this uh, possibility to be alive, to our teachers, to the Buddha, on down. What a gift. Mm. And to Spirit Rock for providing this material and logistical uh, place, you know, an amazing amount of detailed care and attention, long-term commitments, planning, figuring, working to establish a a place where we can be safe, comfortable, practice and have things arranged for us. So so this is is just really hard work. May the people who do such hard work receive and experience the benefits of their practice. So I'd like to express my own uh, gratitude and appreciation for the monks from a Bayagiri monastery, which has provided the transport, got me here, and offering all these books for free distribution, an immense amount of logistical support without any, you know, any uh, stint, you know, whatever's needed, support. Mm. My friends and teacher, my, my co-teacher, Ayan Medinandi, for her willingness to come from Canada and uh, put her, her own duties to one side and come and support and help this retreat and uh, offer so much in her presence, by her presence and her words. And to all, each and every one of you, to remember these places are places that... Uh, energized by your practice spirit rock benefits from you using it you working with it you bringing your efforts into it these monasteries are places that are for your welfare people are holding renunciant forms in the Aranya Bodhi Vihara and the Karuna Dhamma Vihara and all these places the bhikkhunis are living in, in California and they'll be quite happy to tell you what they're doing, you go and visit them, practice, take refuge in this renunciant uh, quality, which is difficult to find in the world. So uh, gratitude to, to them for coming and presenting this form for our reflection and uh, for our uplift and guidance. Gratitude to each and every one of you who brought your own commitments, your karma, your aspirations, your inquiry and your energy to making this retreat fruitful.
So we'll break for the meal, and uh, I imagine Andy and I will be available after the meal up in the walking room, upstairs walking room, if you want to come by and say goodbye or whatever you do when you leave. (laughs) And I imagine Andy has to leave quite early because she's got to get a plane back to Canada to teach her next retreat. (laughs) So... uh, so she will be leaving somewhat earlier. I'll be here for another couple of hours or so available for those who want to stop by. Disciples who have practiced well. 